Welcome to CAE Pilot Podcast, a podcast that brings together aviation professionals to discuss life as a pilot, training, and career advice. You can find us at cae.com forward slash CAE Pilot dash podcast or subscribe to our show on your audio podcasting platform of choice. You can also find our video podcast on our YouTube channel. Welcome to this episode of the CAE Pilot Podcast. We all know that the pandemic has had a major impact on the aviation industry, but for many, it hasn't killed the dream of flying. And many people are still thinking and should be thinking about going into the industry. Before you get to do that though, there are a number of steps you have to take to get accepted at a school like CE. And there are a number of assessments you have to do. And to tell us about one of those assessments, and maybe to give us a few tips and tricks, is Emma Ackhurst, the lead adapt psychologist at Symbiotics. Welcome to the podcast, Emma. Hi, thanks for having me. You know, it sounds like it's hanging over us, the assessment. Um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about what Symbiotics does. Absolutely. So Symbiotics are a privately owned UK company. So we we specialize in assessment and selection. So particularly of individuals who are hoping to go and work within those high risk or stressful situations. So we are a global assessment provider. So looking at our data sort of pre-COVID, um, the data showed that there was somebody taking an ADAPT test somewhere in the world 24 hours a day. Um, so we really have a lot of assessments running um, quite frequently. Um, we specialize particularly within the aviation industry. So uh, we work across commercial aviation, so airlines, training organizations. We also work with air forces and business jet operators. Um, we've also uh, worked within the blue light industry as well. So looking at um, assessments and selection for um, people working or hoping to go into uh, armed response or royalty and specialist protection officers before they start their training as well. So all types of jobs that really require, you know, that have this, this stressful piece to them. Absolutely. Um, what's the advantage for the, uh, the training organization to have these, um, these assessments in place? Well, for the training organization, it really makes sure that the the individuals, the cadets that they've got coming through the training are going to have the, the skills to be able to support them through that particular training. So, um, you know, all training organizations might differ slightly. So even though the, the training content itself might be largely the same, um, you know, the style of training or the way that training is delivered or the location, the culture and things like that might differ. Um, so it's really useful for that training organization to make sure that they're going to have the, the right cadets that are coming through. So they, they know they're going to have the sort of the skills to be able to, to get them through that training. It's not just the ATO that benefits from this kind of assessment, right? Like there must be um, a positive point here for the cadets as well. Yeah, definitely. And it's, you know, for, for cadets, it's, you know, it's a huge investment as well, both, you know, uh, financially, obviously, but, you know, time as well as, you know, this could be a, dream career for people. It's really beneficial for the cadets to make sure that they're going to have the, the ability, the sort of the, the skills and aptitude to be able to be successful during training as well. Um, so that they can make sure that it is going to be that it's the right career choice for them. And they're going to be able to not only get through training, but also then hopefully, you know, find that dream career once they finish through training as well. So it sounds like 
your role is really to set everybody up for success. Yeah, yeah, I'd say it can, you know, it can feel um, really challenging if you're fighting, you know, knowing that you've got an assessment process to go through before you can, you can start on this training. But it's really beneficial for both the, the, the ATO and the cadet to make sure that, you know, it's really a, a right match so they can sort of support each other through that training process. And the test that uh, you use at CAE is called uh, ADAPT. And um, that's the first step in the selection process. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the ADAPT test, how it was developed, and uh, what purposes it serves? Yeah. So um, ADAPT. So what ADAPT is, is it's our online assessment platform that delivers the psychometric aptitude and knowledge tests to the candidates. So depending on the assessment process, the combination of tests can vary. So for example, um, for the cadet assessments that we're talking about, this might usually involve the personality questionnaire, um, a maths, physics, and cognitive reasoning assessment, the FAST test, um, and our ball game and fixed wing. Um, but this can differ depending on the training organization or obviously to help adapt to some of the remote testing that the majority of organizations have had to move to as well. Um, and then, as I mentioned, with, with it not just being the cadet assessments, there's sort of a, a range of, of solutions out there. So whatever the, the role requirements, whether that be sort of a, a command upgrade assessment, cabin crew, the, the tests within that, um, the sort of the battery can, can vary to make up the right uh, assessment program. So the, the first one that you're talking about here is sort of the personality questionnaire. And my first thing is like, wow, okay, it's a bit dating site kind of a thing. <laughs> but um, tell us what you're looking for or, you know, what, what does this personality test, what's it going to tell you? The, so the personality um, questionnaire, the sort of the, the idea or sort of the, the benefits of having a personality questionnaire is, is what builds on, you know, what is personality. So without going into to too much uh, um, information or depth on that, you know, personality largely sort of underpins a lot of our preferences, our attributes, our sort of behaviours. Um, and all of that can really help determine how well we're going to fit into a particular role. So what the personality assessment allows us to sort of understand is what those individual characteristics are, and then that can help determine how suitable somebody might be for a particular role. So um, they're really normally used alongside different aptitude-based tests, you know, different coordination type tests. So whereas your, the aptitude-based test might say, you know, can this individual um, meet the standards here? You know, are they going to be able to get through training? The personality side of things might try and assess, are they the right person to? So are they going to be the best fit for this particular training organization? Can someone prepare for a test like that? You can prepare in terms of familiarizing yourself with what a personality questionnaire might be. Um, you can, um, you know, there's lots of um, opportunities to perhaps try and, you know, sort of complete different personality questionnaires to try and get you familiar a little bit more with the concept of what a questionnaire might be or what might involve, but there are lots of different questionnaires out there. Um, our personality questionnaire is um, sort of, you know, it's a really uh, complex sort of comprehensive tool um, with sort of a particular focus on some aviation, um, you know, relevant characteristics and things like that. Um, whereas, you know, not all personality questionnaires will have that sort of focus. So there are lots available and you can, you can sort of, you know, familiarize yourself with what that's going to involve. But um, 
really the best tip for for completing a personality questionnaire is to to try and be yourself you know try and be you know as relaxed and as open as sort of honest as you can be it's not about trying to sort of you know the personality questionnaire isn't there to try and trick somebody um you know it's to understand a little bit more about that person um because there isn't there isn't a sort of a right or a wrong personality um it's sort of just about understanding that person a little bit more I always find it amazing that when you take these tests, and I think of like the Myers-Briggs as an example, and mm-hmm. I've taken it several times, and you always get the same answer. And I'd love to be like behind the scenes to understand how exactly that happens. Um, but I don't want you to give your trade secrets away. Either. <laughs> well, um, I mean, not, not, to, not to go into trade secrets, but that's really because personality is generally quite stable over time. Um, it's not, our, you know, per- people don't tend to just sort of wake up one day and change their personality. You know, it remains generally quite stable across time. There might be some few, you know, sort of uh, amendments or adjustments, but really the, the sort of core personality is really stable. And it's more our, our behavior that sort of changes. And that's why doing a personality questionnaire sort of helps understand what those sort of, you know, what that, those characteristics are. And then you can, you can understand where perhaps, you know, somebody might have a little bit further. They might need a little bit more training. Uh, to, to meet some requirements or where they're sort of perhaps more of an, an ideal fit already. And does someone come in and do these, I guess they're online now? No, they are online. So when you do these, do you do them all in a row? Like, do you have to, do you do sort of the personality, the progressive physics, mathematics, the cognitive reasoning, um, and the fast, do you do them all at once? A candidate doesn't have to do them all at once. So um, yeah, obviously before COVID, things were perhaps a, a little bit different. Um, so an individual might have completed the personality questionnaire when they were at home. Um, and, you know, really, we try and get them to do that so that they can make sure that they're, they're perhaps in an environment that's a little bit more comfortable for them, a little bit more familiar, so they can sort of complete it in their own time. And then they might come into the assessment center and complete the remaining tests. But with a lot of the assessments now being done remotely, um, all of them will perhaps be completed at home, but they don't have to be done sort of one after the other. An individual can have a little bit of a, a break or a breather in between. So they're not, they're not just staring at a screen for too long, trying to fill out, fill out different questionnaires and tests. And how do you, um, we said that you can't prepare, obviously, for the personality one, I would imagine for the, the physics and mathematics, uh, you have to sort of know your stuff. What do you suggest? Uh, what are your tips for pe- people who are you know, going in for these assessments in terms of preparation, maybe more less studying, more how to be well, I guess, for this kind of assessment. Yeah, so really preparation is is quite key. Um, so trying to find out, um, you know, what to expect. Um, so that could be trying to understand what the different tests or questionnaires are that they're going to, to complete. So what what is the assessment going to involve? Um, you know, I know um, CAE in particular as well do, um, or some of the different schools send out information to the, the candidates or the cadets. So, you know, taking the time to, to read through the information that you've been given, read through the information that's available, um, you know, especially with remote assessments now, it's also trying to make sure that you, just because you're completing these, these tests or questionnaires at home, you're still seeing it as though it's an assessment. So try and make sure that the environment that you're, that you're doing them in is still going to be sort of conducive for being able to, to complete them to, you know, the, the best ability that you're going to be able to be as well. And then we get into the part that I would do terribly at, the uh, progressive math and <laughs> um, physics. Now, obviously, everybody knows that these are essential in aviation. 
Um, are these geared towards aviation or are they general? Um, so it's a little bit of both. So um, particularly because the, the sort of the level that the assessment's being done at, you know, the cadets aren't necessarily going to have specific aviation knowledge. So the, um, the general maths and physics questions might have aviation related topics in them. So they might involve things like speed, distance, time, bearings, things like that. Um, so whilst you won't be expected to have a, you know, sort of an aviation technical understanding, there might be some formulas or uh, things like that that have a sort of an aviation relation to them um, to sort of uh, understand, you know, how well you're going to be able to pick up on some of the topics that you might experience in ground school. And I imagine these are graded much like a uh, high school or university exam. Absolutely. So it's, you know, it's not like the personality questionnaire here when you do the maths and physics, there definitely are right and wrong answers. Um, so these ones are typically, they'll have a, a time association to them. Um, and then it will be, um, you know, yeah, the, uh, the candidate will have a, a sort of a percentage of, of how many they've got, they've got right, how many they've completed, you know, perhaps how, how long they've taken to complete them as well. And then we move on to cognitive reasoning. So what's that, uh, what's the objective of that? How do we prepare? Uh, so the sort of looking at cognitive ability. So that's really sort of defined as a general mental capability, which involves reasoning, problem solving, planning, those sorts of things. And it's a really good indicator of how an individual deals with and processes information. So that's why it's generally included um, in a lot of our test batteries, because it's quite a good overview of, of sort of general performance. Um, so the cognitive reasoning can look at a, a variety of elements. So it might look at numerical reasoning, it might look at working memory or spatial relationship reasoning. Um, and as with the other um, uh, tests, sort of maths and physics, preparation and sort of practice can be really useful here. Um, you know, familiarizing yourself with some of the, the topics um, that you get. Um, we're, we're asked quite frequently, how can I prepare? How can I sort of, you know, get myself ready? Um, so that's why we launched our e-commerce uh, website. So we offer sort of an opportunity for an individual to, to practice um, their sort of their skills and their knowledge. So just to help familiarize yourself with, um, you know, what's the test format going to look like? How do I answer a question? You know, just to take away that initial anxiety of what the, uh, what the assessment might look like. And I think that's an important point that you bring up because, you know, the taking a test is as much about having the skills to take the test as it is the knowledge to pass the test. So anybody who's done like an SAT or whatever it might be, you know, understanding what the test is and how to take it is, is a huge piece of it. Yeah, that's it. You want to make sure that you're, you know, you've got as much information as you, you can have before going in into the assessment so that you you know, you understand perhaps, you know, what the format's going to look like. And that can sort of help just, just take away that initial anxiety of what, what's this going to involve straight away, um, as well as having the sort of the knowledge and the sort of, you know, re revising your, the sort of the topic areas as well. And then it's, you can put all of that together and make sure that you can, you know, the first performance is your sort of best performance as it can be. So the last piece of the uh, battery of assessments is the FAST test. And this is to test multitasking. And um, is multitasking really something that's important for a pilot? Yes, absolutely. There is, you know, so many different tasks that really require your attention. 
Um, and you need to be able to deal with these effectively to prioritize them appropriately. So, for example, you've uh, you know, you have the, the controls in the flight deck that you need to be able to, to understand, to know what you need to be able to do with them. You might have information coming in from ATC. You'll need to be maintaining that communication with all of the flight deck crew, processing any visual information that you've got going on as well. So there's a really, there's a, there's a lot that a pilot will need to be dealing with. So having um, FAST as an assessment that looks at sort of, you know, replicating that perhaps demanding work environment um, that are experienced by pilots can help understand how an individual might be dealing with, um, you know, multitasking. So can you give us maybe a little example of what, um, what, what kind of a question that exam would have? Yeah. So FAST um, itself is not just a multitasking um, test. So, you know, it is one, it is quite a challenging test. It's designed to be that way to sort of, you know, put, put an individual through their paces a little bit there. Um, It's perhaps a little bit more interactive than the maths and physics um, tests that we've spoken about. So it presents a sort of a a multitasking environment, which will require the the individual to use their their psychomotor skills whilst answering a series of reasoning questions and be aware of an ongoing situation. Um, So it's not like any of our other tests. The screen is sort of split into different quadrants. Um, So, you know, sort of in the the left-hand side, there's a, a small aircraft that they'll need to be aware of. They'll need to avoid things that are coming into their path there. On the, the right-hand side, you've got uh, cognitive reasoning questions that they'll need to be answering as well. Um, and then in front, there'll be a, a visual field as well, as, the, as well as the flight deck um, uh, information as well that they have to deal with as well. So this whole screen will be filled with lots of different information. The candidate will need to be, to be keeping aware of all the different areas um, and answering all the different questions that are coming up as well. Sounds like you're describing my 12-year-old's video games. <laughs> it, it, it actually sounds it, like it sounds fun, actually. It seems. Yeah, like, it's, uh, yeah it's probably one of the more enjoyable, um, enjoyable uh, tests if you compare it to yeah, sitting down and doing a typical sort of math test. Yeah. And is this one that you, I mean, aside from, I guess, the UF practice tests on your site, but aside from that, it, what can you do to prepare for a test like this? Yeah, so aside from sort of, you know, uh, getting familiar with the, the test itself um, through sort of uh, the, the practice test, there, any, anything really that's going to help develop your, you know, give you an opportunity to practice sort of multitasking. So obviously you can sort of try and practice the different elements themselves. So, you know, practicing sort of coordination type tasks or practicing sort of um, cognitive reasoning type tasks, um, you know, to build on those sort of skills to help you when you have to bring them together. Um, and any sort of uh, event or um, you know um, assessment that might sort of just just test your test your ability to to have distractions coming in and to be able to deal with them can be really useful. So, of all of these assessments, what's the most common factor that leads to someone maybe not getting through to the next stage? I think largely um, what we tend to see is probably um, under preparation. So candidates perhaps coming forward who um, perhaps haven't taken um, all of the steps that they can do to prepare themselves ahead of the assessment. So um, that might be through not being sure what to expect and therefore anxiety or nerves sort of impacting them being able to show their, their, themselves to their best of their abilities or just under preparation in terms of, um, you know, not revising 
Um, so not having the sort of the knowledge um, to be able to, to reach the sort of um, required standard at the, uh, of the test. Um, so as I sort of said a little bit earlier, you know, with, with the test at the moment being done remotely, you know, it's still really important to treat it like a, an assessment as though you were turning up to an assessment centre. So, um, you know, making sure that your, you know, your, your environment is really suitable. You've not got distractions. You've got all of the equipment that you need, um, you know, to make sure that you've, you know, if, if you're told you need a mouse and a keyboard, make sure that that works ahead of time. You know, just that, that sort of trying to, trying to check that you've got everything ready. Um, obviously, it is a really challenging profession. It's a competitive environment. And not everybody does pass first time. So it, it, it really isn't too uncommon not to need to retake. So it is fine if you do, if that, you know, if that does happen, it's, it isn't the end of the dream if you do need to retake. So, so I guess the best way then for, for someone to prepare for their assessment is to go to your, web, your website, symbioticsltd.com, and to do practice assessments. Yeah, it's definitely one of the, the really useful ways um, to sort of, you know, familiarize uh, yourself with what the, uh, what the test format is going to look like. Um, obviously, the, uh, the um, tests and sort of the assessments that we offer via our website aren't going to be the same test that a candidate would come and do um, at the assessment center. The questions will be completely different, um, but it really can help sort of, um, you know, as I said before, take away that sort of anxiety or the novelty of what that test is going to look like and really try and um, help them familiarize themselves with what what the uh, what the type of questions are going to look like and i know that at cae we give our our candidates a preparation package as well so they they'll be well prepared uh, when they get to you guys so i'm an aspiring pilot i have the personality i'm got the cognitive reasoning i can multitask and arguably I have the personality for it. What's the next step in the assessment? So once all of the um, online assessments have been completed, uh, the next step will usually be um, an interview um, with ourselves at Symbiotics. Um, so obviously at the moment, again, these are also being done remotely. So that might be, uh, by through, be, be through a, a platform that we can, we can conduct that through remotely. What do I expect from this assessment? What uh, I'm going to sit down, I guess, with someone like yourself. And yeah. what are you going to, what are you going to ask me? What are you going to grill me on? Uh, so, well, it, we won't be grilling anybody. Um, it's really, um, you know, to, to get to understand a little bit more about the individual. So the interview itself is really used to, um, you know, firstly, get to know a little bit more about the individual. Um, also to sort of sound out the veracity of the outputs from the self-report questionnaires, um, delve further a little bit into the motivation of that individual, you know, so, you know, what, what, is, uh, what is that dream? You know, why do they want to be a pilot? Um, some key skills as well. Um, and, you know, perhaps a general understanding of some of the key areas. So that might involve the, the training or the role itself in a little bit more detail. Um, again, this could vary, I guess, uh, across different flight schools or different training organizations um, as to what competencies are sort of most important. Um, but generally, that will be what the, the interview will involve. And can you really tell, like, I'm just thinking in, in sort of this COVID era where we're doing everything in a two-dimensional fashion, um, can you really tell someone's, someone's motivation for a role or, you know, 
sort of assess their attitude towards things um, in a remote platform like this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, it's, you know, it was a great way before to be able to do that face to face. Um, but we've uh, worked quite hard to be able to uh, adapt that to be able to complete it, uh, the assessments done remotely. Um, it's something that we have always worked with um, pre-COVID as well. We've always done a lot of uh, online assessments because of the, the sort of global nature. There's, right. um, there's been a lot of times where it's much easier to be able to get somebody um, to, on this, this sort of platform. Um, so it's something that we're quite specialist in and sort of used to doing as well. Um, and then doing that sort of pre-COVID, we've been able to just um, sort of ramp that up a little bit and uh, adapt our process a little bit more as well. But um, yeah, through our, you know, sort of the, the interview questions itself, the sort of the, the standardization and the, um, the types of, of interviews and questions that we do, we can really get to understand, you know, what is sort of motivating that individual, what is their sort of understanding that they've got as well. And on your end, you have some kind of, I guess, a checklist that you're going through to, or certain questions that you're going to ask to get to this, um, to sort of your assessment of the person? Yeah, so we've, you know, we've got our sort of uh, our framework that we that we use. We've got lots of uh, uh, indicators that we're that we're looking for. Um, really, you know, it's it's to help keep the, the process standard as well. So, um, you know, whichever assessor the or interviewer that the, the candidate has, we want to make sure as well that that's going to be a consistent experience so that it's fair. It's, it's you know, every candidate's going to have the same chance regardless of of who that interviewer is or, or which, which one of our assessors that they get. Um, so, you know, we work towards um, sort of the best practice of assessing, um, you know, and sort of our own best practices. So, um, so to make sure that it is as, as fair as can be for, for any candidate that's coming through. Sort of what tips do you have? Now I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, oh my God, now I got to go find a tie. I haven't worn a tie in <laughs> ages. I don't know if my jackets fit anymore. Um, you know, so what do you, what, how do I sort of, what are the tips for this? I mean, do I take this as a job interview or is this an informal thing? Like what's, uh, what in my mind, how should I approach this? I would say, you know, it is, it is tricky. It is, a, it is a very different time at the moment, but, but we would recommend, you know, treat it as if it was, it is a job interview, as if you were going to leave the house and go to your assessment center or turn up, you know, treat it that same way as well. Um, just because it's not face to face, it doesn't mean it's any less important or any less formal, you know, particularly if it, this is the sort of the dream, um, you know, the, the opportunity where you get to, um, you know, to try and have that, that interview to, to make it to the next step. So just because it's at home, do, do try and treat it as though it was a face to face assessment as best as possible as well. Um, you know, we do obviously understand that there can be a few more challenges, you know, technology doesn't always um, play a, play along as well as it can do in a face to face setting. So we do understand that there can be those challenges, um, and you know it might not always be as smooth there. But try and eliminate those as much as you can do. You know, check for distractions. If you've got a phone, you know, put it on silent or keep it out of the way. Uh, you know, if you're living with people, let them know perhaps that um, you know you're not gonna uh, you know that you've got an interview. So I guess things like being on time being polite, being courteous, yeah. all of those things that you would have for an in-person interview apply here. Yeah, that's it. All, all of those things still apply, even though it's, um, it's not being done face-to-face as well. Um, there's just a few more additional checks. You know, it might, might be, it's really, or it will be really beneficial to, to check technology. 
Um, you know, make sure your microphone, your webcam's going to work. The last thing you want to do is, is turn up and be really flustered minutes before you're about to start because you can't get the microphone to work or you're not sure how to turn the webcam on. So do a couple of practice runs, you know, test it with a friend or test it with, you know, with, with anybody just to make sure that it, it's going to work. Um, you know, as, as well as all the, the general advice of, you know, have a, you know, take a bit of time to, to practice, have a little think about your, your skills, your experiences that you've gained, think about the role itself, why it's important to you, all of those things sort of wrapped up as well. So what other like sort of more out there kind of questions would, would you ask? I think some of the questions that perhaps um, worth sort of people having a think about uh, perhaps more competency-based questions where we're looking at sort of, you know, skills and experiences. So it might be to ask about a time where, you know, you've delivered really excellent customer service, um, you know, something like that. So having, having a little bit of a think, spending a little bit of time thinking about, okay, what, what are my experiences? You know, what have I gained? What have I done? Um, you know, and how can I get that across as well? Um, because as interviewers, we can only really assess what we're, what we're told or the information that we're, that we're given. So it might be you've got all this experience sort of, you know, wrapped up, but unless, unless we're, we can see that or we have that information, we can't, we can't really do anything with it. So having a little bit of a think about, you know, what competency questions might I be asked? How, you know, where have I demonstrated that in my, in my um, past or in experience? That can be really useful. So it sounds like I'm preparing for a regular job interview in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, a, you know, it's a, it, isn't, it isn't an interrogation. You know, we're not looking to, to sort of grill anybody there. It is, it is to get to, to know a little bit more about, about the individual. Um, you know, they've obviously completed lots of, uh, lots of tests online, so the, the personality questionnaire as well. So, again, that's why it's quite useful to be as honest as you can be in in both of those, you know, you don't want to be trying to second guess the, the personality questionnaire um, and then turn up at interview and then actually things don't quite match up. Right. Um, so you, you, want to, you want to just present as, your, as yourself in the most prepared way you can do. And I think it's important that people understand that this is not an adversarial process, right? Your, your objective really is to find the right candidate to come to to CAE. Absolutely. Not, and I think that in our training as well, we're not there. I think people sometimes can get the impression, oh, well, you know, we want to catch people out or we want to do things. And that's, that's really not, I think, certainly not CAE's role. I think we are the partner to get people flying and to, to train, et cetera. So I think it's, it's, it's a good mindset for people to go into it with so that you're not sort of thinking it's an adversarial uh, event right from the beginning. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you know, as, as we work alongside TE, that's, that's what we're there to do as well. You know, we really do want, want people to do as well as they can do. Um, we're not, you know, we're not there to try and trick anybody or try and, um, yeah, do anything like that. It really is to get, just to get to know a little bit more about them and make sure that they're, you know, this is the right role for them as well, that this training is going to be suitable for them, as well as making sure that CAE get the, get the best candidates that they can have as well. And what are the most common mistakes someone can make um, in the interview process? 
I think quite similarly to some of the um, sort of online assessments, it can be that sort of preparation, um, because again, that's that's really key here, um, as with all the online assessments. So um, as I sort of touched on, you know, making sure that you, you do take that time to have a think about, you know, yourself, your experiences, um, you know, like you've said as well, like every pilot's probably thought about, you know, why do I want to do this? But making sure that you you want you know how you're going to explain that to to somebody else as well so just practicing the you know practice having an interview so whether that be with with friends or family or you know just just practicing with yourself in a mirror um you know it can feel a little bit silly but it's it can be really useful just to sort of get used to having that sort of conversation and explaining you know why is this my dream why is this something that i really want to do um you know sometimes perhaps it can be that people really can struggle to to sort of reflect on their experiences so they can't quite demonstrate the skills that we're that we're looking for that we really need um to be able to see um and at the same time as well um you know as well as being sort of you know honest and true to yourself again it's not you know we're not looking necessarily for that hard sell either um you know it it is just about about seeing that that individual as well that's uh, that's very cool. And then I guess from there, once uh, if someone's passed both the the um, the assessments and then the interview, then you make a recommendation, I guess, to CAE to either to accept that person or not. Yes. Yeah. So that sort of rounds the rounds the process off. You work in aviation, mm-hmm. right? Indirectly, I guess. But yep. uh, when did you fall in love with flying? <laughs> um, so I I sort of. Um, did studying of uh, study psychology at university um, and then went on to to do my master's and sort of um, started an internship at symbiotics quite sort of new and fresh to to aviation um, and as I was sort of just doing my my internship and and studying sort of the the occupational side of things um, at university I really just got really interested in understanding wanting to understand more about aviation the more I learned about you know, all of these things that a pilot has to deal with or, you know, all the challenges that they see or the challenges of their role and the continual training. That was just just really interesting for me. Um, I'm wanting to sort of, you know, keep finding out a little bit more. Um, I did do a, a trial flight lesson, um, but didn't quite get the uh, the flying bug that lots of uh, lots of people do tell me about. So I'm definitely, definitely much better suited to, to being on the ground and finding out a little bit more down here. <laughs> And um, tell me about your role at Symbiotics. What's, uh, you know, clearly you've been there right out of your studies, it sounds like. Um, you know, most people think psychologist, well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit in, a, in an office with a beautiful leather lounge chair and I'm going to talk to people <laughs> all day. And here you are, you know, working in this field. Um, mm. How did that come about? So my role in, at Symbiotics is quite varied in, in some respects as well. So um, I conduct a lot of the interviews as well. So, you know, some of the cadets listening, it might be me um, that, that turns up for the, for the uh, remote interview that they, uh, that they have to do. Um, as psychologists, we also spend a lot of time um, sort of working on our test development. So a lot of the range of tests that we've got 
Um, some of those have been internally developed. Um, so we've sort of um, uh, built on those, developed those. Um, there's obviously a, a lot of data that we have as well behind the tests. Um, so one of the um, sort of great things about the, uh, the symbiotics um, and adapt range of tests is the amount of data that we have behind there, the sort of tens of thousands of, of people that we've had complete these, um, these tests. Um, so we sort of continually assess that data and that, that's used to sort of enhance um, the, the, um, the norm groups and assessments that we have behind and sort of the algorithms that work behind all of those tests. So the tests evolve over time, I guess. Yeah, so the tests might evolve or the, um, the sort of the benchmarks that we have um, behind the tests. Um, so, you know, it might be for, um, for one training organization or for uh, one particular airline. It might be that those, those benchmarks of what, what's considered a good pass um, might, might vary. And that's something that we sort of continually do behind the scenes as well to make sure that, um, you know, that sort of data is as representative as it can be. And would an event like COVID, uh, the COVID pandemic, w- is it possible that that would change what you're looking for or what maybe a, 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 an organization is looking for in a pilot? Would the, like, would events like that maybe change the, 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 you know, the, the psychology of the person you're looking for? It can do, um, depending on um, different organizations. Um, I'm sure, you know, if you looked at two different airlines, um, you, you might be able to you see quite clearly the differences amongst those airlines and therefore how, you know, they might be looking for different people or different types of, uh, of personalities to, to sort of suit that organization. So um, big changes can impact the, the culture of, a, of an organization or a training organization. And that, that could change, um, as you say, the, the type of person that they might be looking for. Well, Emma, I have to say this. Any cadet who ends up with you for their assessment is lucky because we've been talking for about half an hour now or maybe more. And honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and telling us all about what Symbiotics does and how it helps CAE find the right people. And, um, and it's, uh, it's good for people to have uh, one, a lot of pilots have told us, you know, that uh, this pandemic is causing some people to hesitate right now. Mm -hmm. But just about every pilot we have spoken to has said that their road to becoming a pilot was not a direct arrow. There was something yeah. somewhere that either got in the way or stopped them. And, um, and we've heard it over and over. And I think it's really fun in this podcast that we've had the opportunity to talk about the first steps in becoming a pilot. And it's, it's a nice, hopeful message that, you know, we know things will come back eventually. And, and it's fun to start to think about, you know, people being able to take the first steps back in the, into, into this great career in aviation. So thank you very, very much. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a real pleasure talking to you as well. And I'd like to remind everybody to go to airside.aero, a ton of great resources Mm. for uh, pilots to get back up in the air. We've got the CV builder, we've got the jobs board, lots of great articles uh, on just about everything you can think of uh, in a pilot's life. Emma, thanks again. Thank you very much. Take care. CAE Pilot Podcast is brought to you by CAE, the global leader in training for the civil aviation, defense and security, and healthcare markets. For more information, 
check out CAE.com. <laughs>